Facebook post for one of my um, young Asian friends was on BART in San Francisco and, and some young white woman next to her gave her a hard time saying, oh, you're next, sayonara. I mean, in San Francisco. Like, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe now's not the time for me to go travel. I'm, I'm glad I just got over my whole Midwest book tour and I'm not, like, out there driving alone, like, in anti-Hillary country, but because that was kind of scary. Um <laughs> it was especially I, I was driving across the Midwest to do the book tour and I had I just broken both of my hands and I'm like on this road tour like two days before the, the it was it was utterly ridiculous and so how did she just pause, pause for a second how did you break two hands <laughs> wait 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 when, when, when did this happen this, a couple months ago and you're you're you seem fine I mean Ish. it's not great but yeah. so I, I actually broke my left wrist and I sprained my right hand but my right hand got the worst of it uh yeah, two days before I went on tour, and I'm like, I'm like, please don't give me a cast. I can't. Dr- I have to drive. Like, I I have to, you know, like book tour. I mean, I couldn't sign books, obviously, because of that. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I'm like, I'm like on the road, and I'm depressed because I have two broken hands, and it's like, and also touring is so hard, and by myself, and, and I look over, and I see a car, and people in the Midwest don't drive like people in California, and then I see a car, and it has a Hillary sticker. I'm like, oh, I feel safe, and then I look, and it was like an, actually an anti-Hillary sticker driven by a, a woman, and and I don't know, but I still I still had this. I, I really, really thought that there's no possible way that he could become president. I've noticed that, you know, we, we do, um, it, the site that I, I work for, I mean, we're not, we're not an overtly political site, but we do end up writing about stuff. And I just know that every time we write about something that I'm just going to end up, you know, blocking or muting Ugh. a lot of people. Ugh. And there's this weird, everybody's all of a sudden emboldened i mean it was like starting to happen a little bit but it's just like now it's like oh it's it's okay like we can all come out of our holes now. i had no idea there were so many racist people i yeah. mean we're all a little bit racist it's part of the culture you know it's you're either fighting against it or going with it and like most of the people i know are fighting against it like that's just you know who we are but like I didn't, we're all preoccupied for sure yeah but like just the thinking like just walking here from my hotel like I'm really glad I'm staying in Chinatown right now because it's horrible because I'm talking to a white guy and my husband's a white guy but I'm like every time I see a white person I'm like did you vote for Trump like do you do you want me to go back to this country this that I'm supposedly from like that like that's going through my head it's really terrifying like the more stories I'm hearing from people like you don't expect like a woman who rides Bart to say that to a complete stranger to say you're next sayonara I, I, to a non-Japanese person. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Well, uh, <laughs> you're I mean... asking a lot for her to have, you know, <laughs> made that call on the fly for a racist to really, like... <laughs> I just, I'm in, like, flight, fight or flight mode. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have all this adrenaline because I'm like, what am I going to do if or when I that gets struck? Because yeah. obviously, you know, most people, most women have been harassed because there are women, most people of color have been harassed because of that. And, they, and I, of course, I have... But like it's been a long time, and now I'm just I'm kind of bracing myself for it. Like, what what, what would I do in that situation? I'd have to do something. What am I going to do if I yeah. see it happening? And yeah, it's not a good space to be in. But yeah, I mean, it it does feel like you know at some point you sort of have to make the shift from like more of like how or just like how do we how do we get through the next yeah. four years? You know, like this is just gonna you know as, as people have been. Um, pointing out you know every the wall of every post office is gonna have a big trump photo oh i didn't even think of. i that. mean there's just this you know it, there's gonna be uh, you know that that's the weird thing is there's just gonna be this normalization that's gonna be happening and, and at some point it's just gonna be like okay i've dealt with the i don't know do you i mean the front the very top headline of usa today this morning i was in the fitness room at, at, at the at the hotel and I looked down and there was a USA Today which you know it's all like feel good stories so yeah. I thought it would just be like President elect Trump blah 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 but like the very top headline story said something about like all just the hate crimes that are happening and I'm like USA Today really like this is bad yeah I yeah I just I don't um, I think I think the the immediate 
pushback that he's getting right now from a lot of mainstream publications is is going to die down. I mean, it has and he's to. just going to be the president for a little while. I mean, I, every time he makes a horrible decision or sends out a shitty tweet, which apparently he's decided to continue to do, there'll be pushback. But it's just gonna it will have to normalize at some point. But what happens if he gets convicted of that raping that young girl? Like, is Pence going to be president? That's even more terrifying. It's race something that's always kind of on your mind. Um. More and more lately. Yeah. Well, obviously. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's like... I mean, I grew up around uh, pretty much all white people, yeah. um, some black people, but not a lot of Asians. Yeah. So all the things that people are calling microaggressions and stuff like that now, like, I mean, we, I didn't have a word for that. Uh, I certainly knew I felt bad when someone called me exotic or, you know... Or like a bird. The, yeah. Or <laughs> use the or- word oriental. Yeah. And it's funny because... Like, I just naturally hated those even when I knew it was supposed to be a compliment. Huh. And I thought I was the only one who didn't like those words. Like, I just thought this was just a personal preference. It bothered me. And then I didn't really know a lot of Asian people until I was in my 20s. And, like, now probably I'm, I'm in my 40s now. And now I know more than ever. And it's like, oh, wait, we all hate that. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's this huge revelation and all these things that would bother me. That I thought, oh, I'm just being, I mean, because I was the only one getting targeted in certain ways. So I uh, I just thought, oh, I'm being sensitive or I just, I, I didn't even like compute for the longest time. Like now I'm sort of looking back at all those mm. years and going, yeah, that was messed up. Like, yeah. And when my friend in high school started making fun of my mom's accent, that was really messed up. Like, and it, you know, I knew at the time it hurt, but mm. I couldn't really put words to it. And I expect the more I think about this stuff, the more my comics will be about this stuff. Yeah. Because, But it takes a long time sometimes for me to really process, like, oh, I was feeling this way because of this, that, and the other thing. Like, you know. But it also, I mean, it also just sort of takes you time and you have to have distance in order to start writing those stories. I mean, you know, yeah. you've, I, did, I think a lot of your last book is like still kind of early 20s, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that is that just a is that putting some distance between yourself and the story or is are you just kind of getting around to it now? Well, so when you so my last book was actually uh, ends in my mid, like now okay. so that that was a but that was a very new book um, so I'm su- I assume you're talking about turning Japanese yeah is that the yeah, one? yeah 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 that uh, well it's funny because when I was living those events I wasn't a, I wasn't making comics yet I was writing novels I there was no memoir in my foreseeable future hmm. but. Uh, I was thinking, oh, when, if I take this crazy job, maybe I'll write about it, thinking I'll, I'll put it in a novel or, you know. Just the idea of, like, having to go out and live something. Yeah, or it, the, it, it yeah. was interesting to me. I yeah. thought, oh, I'm a writer. I'll go do this really interesting thing and use it for material later. Did you find that you were, like, you were actually consciously doing interesting things in order to potentially have something to write about? Well, taking the job I did, really? but yeah. as soon as I had it, it was just like any other customer service sure. job where people were harassing you and people are idiots and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've had a number of customer service jobs, so it was like, once I was in it, I'm like, oh, this is boring. This yeah. sucks. And, and I kind of put the idea down. And then it wasn't until... 20 years later when I was looking back I'm like there's a bigger story there that wasn't just about the job explain what the job was Uh, a bar Japanese bar hostess and I mean and and at the time I thought oh I'm taking this job to have an interesting job and to make money and also because I wanted to smoke and drink on the job and like there are all these little perks that I got and at the same time I I really wanted to really get to know my Japanese cultural heritage which I'd never been taught Japanese I hadn't known a lot of Japanese people so I thought saw this as an opportunity to get to know myself in that way and I mean and that was really the big story there and even even I mean maybe I even knew that was the biggest story but no one really wrote about that kind of stuff like no one really cared about that it didn't seem like that was something that people wanted to read about it just didn't occur to me to write about that part of it until the idea of, of identity. And, yeah. Cause yeah. It, it was kind of just, it was looked down upon. Like you, hmm. you know, you generally wanted to write about young white males or, you know, and, and so everyone was sort of trying to write to that. Yeah. And, and yeah, 20 years later, the, the landscape had changed a little bit by the time I'd finished the book to, to when it actually came out, which was a couple of years, the landscape had shifted so drastically that I kind of wish I'd, written about more race stuff but I was kind of keeping some of that stuff out because yeah. I was just trying to tell like a fun story for, for fear of, of alienating people yeah 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 
I'd already been told that, you know, oh, this isn't universal enough yeah. of a story. So I, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't trying to make it more universal, but I was trying to keep the less universal parts out a little bit. It's so, it's interesting though. Like comics, like even, even now, I mean, they still, they're still kind of a little niche as compared mm-hmm. to like other forms of storytelling. So, you know, and, and they've always, they've always been pockets and, and it seems like at least in underground comics that it's always been more progressive the readership is is more progressive than the broader audience so it's kind of sometimes <laughs> well sure but you know I, I, I relatively or comparatively speaking or at least like the people that we yeah yeah with maybe is, is is but um well there's so many different kinds of comics now yeah. i mean there always were but there's just so many damn people making comics yeah. now that there's so many genres it's not comics isn't a genre anymore which is exciting yeah. and great but there's a lot of comics that i'm not interested in as a, as a result sure, whereas that's there was, fine there's a point of time where like any indie comic yeah. that came out I'm, i was all over it and now i'm like i get to pick and choose which is great yeah it's really great it's just interesting like in a sense you were thinking a little bit commercially a little i mean yeah i'm not doing this entirely for myself like i want people to read it sure and, and you no need to make a living it, and but i wasn't even thinking of making a living mm. at that point i just wanted to make it and i wanted people to want to read yeah. it um making a living thing is weird it, it's weird that that's how this ended up because this was just like kind of a fun thing to do yeah <laughs> so how did you how did you make this shift from from fiction um well <laughs> From I got a really discouraging, really discouraging words from a publisher that made me kind of stop. Huh. Uh, it was really depressing. I, it just I, took one. Well, I got a lot of rejections, yeah. but there was one in particular which I thought was going to be my big break. It was someone. I mean, now looking back, I'm like, oh my god, I was so stupid. I, you know, I was 21 or 22, and and uh, I just really naive about the industry. So I thought, oh, if I get it into a publisher's hands, then you know, this will this will change my life. And so I knew a writer, like a best-selling writer, like through my work. She was a bank customer, and she handed it off to her, pub- like her friend who was a publisher who published cookbooks. And but you know, I was writing like fiction and like literary fiction, and and she, and I wrote a book, and she read it, and while she was reading it, I was writing another book, and she comes back with notes. She liked the first book, uh, but she's not going to publish it. She published cookbooks. But then she reads my second book and she says, this is terrible. It's so depressing. No one's ever going to want to read this. And that's when I realized I have a really thin skin for criticism. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't, I don't think I thought, oh, I'm stopping. Many, like I, I just, it was just so devastating that I just couldn't write. But then uh, coincidentally, and I only just realized this the other day, like coincidentally, right at that time was when I started making comics. So hmm. I'm like, clearly, I needed to get that yeah. co- like creative outlet. What was that? What was that super depressing story? I mean, it was probably not very good. I, I think I've tried to read it a couple of times, and it it wasn't. It was about this lesbian drug dealer uh-huh. who kidnaps a kid by accident, oh. and it just the whole. Now I'm so glad that it never came out. It wasn't. It was very dark. Yeah. It was definitely very dark. She's she's definitely a misanthrope. <laughs> it was, and I don't think I knew a lot of lesbians. Even like I I I at the time kind of wanted to be a lesbian, but I didn't know how. And so this was kind of my <laughs> idea of what lesbians might be like. You didn't know how. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I was living in this very straight yeah. white world. Like and you like, just don't know where to find other. Yeah, no, okay. I didn't know. But like no. I knew like I was starting to have those feelings yeah, like, yeah. you know, which now I recognize, oh, I'm bisexual. But like at the time I'm like, oh, I like women. Am I a lesbian? I don't know any lesbians. I'm looking around. I'm looking I'm like, is she a lesbian? Is she a lesbian? She looks like a lesbian, but she says she's straight. She's a lesbian, of yeah. course. But like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, all I had was my very overactive imagination yeah. and, and, and I don't know, kidnapping drugs. It seemed like an exciting thing to write about. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like, you know, I, and this is, this is especially the case with, with, with comics. Um, you know, a lot of the people who are actually like, you know, pretty successful now, like they started, they started publishing online and there wasn't in a way that like, I, you know, I feel like if I had a, a kid, I would not want them on Facebook or Instagram <laughs> for a long time because um, I mean, they, they like they just their earliest stuff they were publishing online. I've put my earliest stuff online oh, a couple of times just because it's fun for yeah. people to see, especially 
I get a lot of emails from people who are just starting out, who, you know, who are who really want to make comics, and they're just so depressed because they're not any good. I'm like, yeah. well, here, look. I wasn't either. It's, you, it's but okay. you get to at least you get to do it kind of selectively, and you kind of get to do it like now that there's a know. couple of things that I'll they'll yeah. never see the light of day again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was when 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 you look back on that early stuff? What 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 was what was so bad about it? I mean, like the one thing that that to me that I mean, I, my writing by that by that time I made comics, my writing style was already pretty cemented. Like I mm-hmm. knew what I wanted to write about, and it's funny because the writing that I was doing back then is not that if that different you know 20 years later because I was kind of set in my ways the art was different but there are some really young annoying thoughts I had that I don't feel anymore I didn't like the word feminist and I that that appeared in a comic but it was different like I I grew up around a dad who used it as a bad word and you know now you know see like a Rush Limbaugh listener he is. I mean, he he claims he's a Republican, but he's not. He believes in gay marriage, and yeah. he's, he's he calls himself an environmental Republican. And there's no such thing, Dad. It's like being log cabin. <laughs> so, yeah. but he's been he's lived in Japan for the last over ten years. So I feel like he's been so distanced from it that he doesn't really see what the Republican Party kind of is now, which is different than. Although I think he was always pretty progressive for a Republican. Yeah. Well, he's he's not Japanese, right? No, he's, he's a white guy. How did he end up in Japan? He got a job offer. Okay. And it was always his dream to yeah. live there. And so... But he married a, a Japanese girl. Yeah. And so yeah. she's... she's They're both American citizens and they're both living in Japan. Huh. It's interesting. You spent some time over there. Yeah, a little bit. Is that Was that, was that part of your kind of like trying to figure yourself out? Uh, well... In the book, in Turning Japanese, I do, like, that. that's part of the idea was I was going to go learn Japanese at hostess bars and figure out the culture and yeah. then spend some time with my Japanese side of the family without my mom as a translator slash editor. And, uh, and, and I did that. Uh, but, you know, through all, all that, through, through that, I discovered what a cultural gap is and what a generational divide is, like, the things that I didn't really think about too much and just, mm. and how... Just learning a language isn't enough to really communicate yeah. to another per- with another person. Um, since then, I've gone to Japan a lot, but it's I'm I'm just a tourist. I don't. Yeah. It's not my place. It's you know I, I feel very deeply tied to it because I've been there so many times. But it's not. I'm not Japanese. Do do you? I mean, do you, are, are you at a point where you kind of look toward everything as being potential inspiration for for writing? I mean, does and and does and does that kind of like push you to go out of your way to do interesting things? Um, I don't. You know, I at this point I have enough material yeah. that I pro- like I won't be able to do it if I live to a hundred. I still won't yeah. do, be able to do everything that I have planned. Yeah. So, no, not me. <laughs> not really. I'm not as adventurous. Yeah, I'm a little adventurous, but I think the hostess thing is kind of. I mean, you know, that was a very. But I was just naturally an adventurous person anyway. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I still am a little bit, but I don't do things for the sake of doing things anymore. Yeah. Now I'm, you know, I'm very selective. I don't, I'm like, there's not a lot of time left. I have to make every. <laughs> You're not that day. old. <laughs> you never know. You yeah, never know true. what's going to happen. Yeah, and, particularly and these days. each graphic novel or memoir takes, I mean, my first one took eight years. And so if I'm no. going to write a book about something, yeah. I realize that that's a huge commitment and so I can't take that lightly I'm not going to go write about some stupid thing that doesn't mean anything because like, yeah that's just oh there's three to five years it did you uh you know Lars Martinson he did a mm-hmm. Tonaharo those books oh yeah um, I've seen that I, I have one of those and the third one the third one just came out oh. and so I think it he spent like 15 years doing the entire thing. It's a long time. And he's got this, I, I can, I'll send it to you. It's, it's definitely worth watching it. You would probably appreciate it, but he's basically got this like 10 minute long video that he made after it came out. That was just like, all right, here's why I can't ever spend that much time working on a book. <laughs> oh, no. And like, and he, you know, here were all of my really grandiose plans. I like look at all these panels and, and look at how much time I spent like cross hatching everything and, and look <laughs> all these like and, and and you know, I've got like three hundred characters and like, you know, forty different locations and I never wanted to use the same place twice and like <laughs> oh, and, and you know, and his big lesson and it, and in a way it's kind of a sad takeaway, but it makes sense. It's just that like obviously time is finite that 
if you're writing and drawing a comic, it's going to, you're going to spend a tremendous amount of time. And at some point you sort of like have to figure out what corners are okay to cut. Oh yeah, right? definitely. Cause you could just, you could, you could spend your entire, I mean, eight years. Eight years. Well, that was the first book. But that's, but I mean, you must've learned some lessons. Faster, of, a lot faster. Yeah. And, but you know, sometimes the corners that you cut, like it's okay. Like yeah. no one's going to notice. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. are certain things that I used to do with, in the first book. I, I was very meticulous about lettering and I hated lettering. I hated doing it so much. And because I was doing it this certain way that I was just so like, it took me longer to letter everything than it did to draw everything. <laughs> and I figured out a shortcut, but, but the shortcut was to draw, to write on graph paper and Hey, suddenly I don't have to sketch out all the lines yeah. and stuff. And, you know what? Suddenly lettering is my favorite part of making a book. Hmm. I enjoy it so much now. And it was from cutting a corner and it actually looks a lot better now yeah. too. So you enjoy, I've never heard anybody say they enjoy lettering. It. Oh my God. Everyone should try the graph paper. So they have this, this Japanese graph paper with the tiny little squares yeah. and it just makes it so fun to you know come up with your own, like, Oh, what, what font will I use for this panel? Yeah. Like how will this work? It just, it feels, so, I mean, also, I'm just really into, as a reader, hand-lettered stuff. So that sure. So even th that's why I was still lettering that stuff by hand, even though I hated doing it. Because just as a reader, I just think, oh no, I don't want to not hand letter. But I, I don't know. You don't. I mean, you don't. You don't. Especially if you're not a cartoonist, like you don't realize how important hand lettering is until you see something that's not. I think most people don't notice. I mean. In some well, some cases, it's how really many people obvious. Have have like a handwriting font, yeah. or or even not just a regular font. Like so many web com I see so yeah. many comics where they just don't even care. And I and I I sincerely think that most people, if they're not cartoonists, who just don't notice. But it's it's just it's just one of those things. It's like if you're a filmmaker, you're gonna pay attention to edits, yeah, yeah. and it'll drive you crazy. And maybe you won't be able to enjoy. Oh yeah, it is much. Once I went to, I took film classes. Like I couldn't not notice continuity. Yeah. But before that, I'd never noticed. But now there's no such thing as watching a movie where there's not a continuity flaw or television show. Or I mean, it's like, it, pick up any book and you're going to find a typo or sure. some grammatical error. It's inevitable. But if you if you don't know to look for those things, yeah. and you're just blissfully ignorant. Well, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't like it rarely. It rarely makes them more enjoyable <laughs> to, <laughs> to know like what to know what goes into something. That's oh man, that's true. Maybe I should give up on my idea of learning how to do music someday. That's the yeah. only yeah, it's the only that's the last vestige that you have. <laughs> how, so, did you uh, did you actually study comics at any point? No. Wow. I think probably now I am more than ever just because yeah. I'm looking at so many comics, but but not. Uh, I mean, you're not like going to classes. Or... No, I'm a high school dropout. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, you could probably still find a comics class somewhere. Ah, no. No, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that you do. I'm just I'm saying just that... not into school. Yeah, which is funny because I sometimes teach, but like I've just, it's weird. Yeah. I, I don't like being told how to how to learn. It just, it feels very invasive <laughs> somehow. Does it feel weird saying you're a high school dropout? I love saying it. You do. Really? I love saying it when I'm doing college lectures. Yeah. <laughs> You never, you never, there was never like a sense of shame there? No. No, I'm really proud. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the best things I ever did. What did the, that did and the... buying a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the best thing I ever did. Wow. All right. So those are some life lessons. <laughs> Get it. Oh my God. They're great. It'll change your life. But now every time I go traveling, I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. My butt's dirty. Yeah, you just have to <laughs> travel like exclusively in France. Oh my God. In Japan. In Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, back to the high school. No, class. no, I no. I mean, that's just like you know, it's even like even other like even like other Western and European countries, like just the difference in bathrooms. Even from airport to airport, yeah. Los Angeles airport has the worst bathrooms. Yeah. The ones that you like get in as soon as you sit down, they flush, and you're just like, ah. uh, well, yeah, and it's just like, and it's like a vacuum, oh, like God. it like just sucks. It's like a black hole in the middle of the room. The worst are the ones that like kind of spit back at you. I mean, obviously they all they all do. Yeah. They're terrible. A little bit of bidet, <laughs> accidental bidet action. No. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I guess I guess when it comes to writing, most people just sort of start writing. But I mean, that was pretty. 
what what made what made you sort of sit down and actually start making your own comics? What I guess, you know, did did, did something empower you to think that you could do that or? I mean, I've always been of the thought, and now, you know, older, wiser, I know better, but (laughs) growing up, I always thought that everyone, anyone could do anything. And so I absolutely thought that if I wanted... It's not a bad philosophy. It's not that simple. And it's it's coming from a very privileged point of view. Sure. So, you know, I had parents who were supportive, and, you know, we didn't always get along, but they've always been supportive of my creative endeavors and, and stuff like that what, what, how did they react when you dropped that at high school um well we weren't getting along very oh, well okay. at that point they didn't have much say in the matter no they had no say in the matter and i think at that point they were just waiting for me to leave um we were going through through some dark times like i, yeah. I was a multiple runaway around that time and you know just, we just didn't get along but so i i think i kind of surprised them when I mean, because I'm very ambitious, and so immediately after that, I got all these jobs, and I was doing pretty well yeah. because I, you know, I didn't want to be a stereotypical high school yeah, dropout. Yeah. My big fear was to work at a gas station, which I don't understand why that was such a big fear because that sounds kind of fun. But, <laughs> but that was that was always the fear when yeah. I was a teenager. Like, okay, I can't end up working at a gas station, so I have to get you know get my shit together, yeah. and and uh, yeah, I was. Very type A about it. I'm like, I'm going to be successful at everything I do. That was just, I was just really determined. So, you know, and, and I had, I've had my ups and downs. And there sure. was, uh, there's a point when the, I think right after 9 11, where suddenly everyone was out of jobs and, and including myself. And well, it was weird because I had a job at the time, but I quit it because it was making me kind of crazy. Mm. But I quit it knowing that, oh, all these, all my friends who, graduated from high school and college and had MFAs or etc. Uh, they're all working at Starbucks. They're all like vying for the same Starbucks job. You, you were empowered by the fact that everybody else had a shitty job at the time? Well, no, I'm like, oh, this is where I'm fucked. I see. You know, because apparently you need like a really fancy education to work at Starbucks, Starbucks now. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I couldn't find a job and I ended up kind of, it was a really scary time because I was, you know, for the first time in my life, I was borrowing money from my sister and for my best friend to pay rent and yeah. I'm like okay though well, this isn't gonna last forever like yeah. what am I gonna do and so I'm like well maybe I can sell paintings and and that worked out really well huh. for you know considering we we're in a recession no one had money yet people were buying my paintings and I supported myself that way for a couple of years and that was I'm like oh I guess I can do whatever I want entitled 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 <laughs> how, how how do you start that process of of selling paintings like how do you get into that world at the time um i felt like the internet was just kind of turning into a thing and craigslist was a thing and i i remember just scouring craigslist for cafes and stuff like that like anywhere that i could get my work yeah to on the walls and um and it was really hard like it was a lot of work because i was painting a lot but I feel like once or twice a week I had, I was putting art up somewhere, taking it down. It was just constantly just rotating the art, trying to figure out who, where it's going to sell. It was a lot of hustle. Yeah. And that's, uh, that hasn't stopped. Right. I mean, it's always, well, I stopped doing that. No, like, but the hard. hustle part of like, <laughs> no. of having to be every, having to do a little bit of everything in order to get yourself out there. It I mean, does you're driving, continue. you're driving your car with two broken hands. Oh my gosh. That was so, and the worst part is I couldn't even draw a comic about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so interesting and hor- horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hustle never ends. I feel like anyone who's any kind of creative, anything kind of needs that. But I feel like even non-creative people who just like are on Twitter, like everyone's kind of self-promoting these days. Sure. So like even non-artists, yeah, it's, everyone gets a taste, but I don't know. There's, I think the hustle is kind of a good life lesson. It is, but uh, you know, at least like at least you're you, you seem to be a pretty like outgoing person, and 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 yeah. that seems to come like relatively naturally, at least but like engaging with other human beings, which is not a skill all cartoonists have. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I mean, so you know, sometimes. Especially if I'm at a convention or if I've traveled to yeah. go to a convention, like that's not coming naturally at that point. At yeah. that time, at that point, I just want to crawl into bed or you know get a decent amount of sleep or eat something other sure. than French fries. So you kind of that's part of the hustle is just like rallying and like okay, well I got to do this. There, there is sort of like especially early on when when you're getting started and first going out. Um, 
there's kind of a depressing aspect to it I, 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 of it. I was talking to it keeps getting depressing, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's life. I don't know. It's uh, no, but uh, I, I, I was. Uh, so were you here for cab? No, I've never for, been. Okay. Um, was that like, yeah? That was last weekend, I think. Yeah, I I, I talked to uh, Dave Darcy. Oh, yeah. And she does. Uh, she does terror readings at the table. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> Sounds like her. <laughs> yeah, well, it's to- it totally is. And I was just like, you found, like, you found the workaround. You found the workaround to like, you found a way to have people stand in front of your table and be oh, completely engaged because there's this thing. You know, I'm always on the other side of the table, um, especially when I go to a show like uh, like Fresh Meat, that SVA show that they do. Oh, like, I don't know about that one. It's it, they do a show with the I think graduates every year and they. And you sort of like walk around and you kind of like look at people's stuff and then you pick it up and then you, you, you know, you leaf through it and then you like, you can't buy everything. So invariably you're going to have to like put it down and like, it's just such awkward. an awkward interaction. I'd much rather be behind the table than yeah. on the other end. Cause yeah, I, I hate disappointing people. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's like, like I, you clearly put a lot of time into this. I, I'm not going to buy this thing from you. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, so I, we, we, I think we keep like circling around this, but what, so you, so you were, you were doing, you were doing painting, you were doing fiction writing. And then what, what was that, that kind of that initial seed to get you into comics? I mean, I was doing comics when I was painting. In fact, the okay. comics kind of started the painting because I was invited to be part of an art show of cartoonists at one point, And I enjoyed the experience so much. I'm like, oh, maybe this is something I could yeah. do more of. Like, and maybe I'll start painting again. And it was really, I mean, I've been doing the, the comics since 1997. So yeah. it's. And I've been doing all this other stuff at the same time. Like I've always also written for video games. Like that was kind of my main, huh. uh, main. Uh, I didn't know anything about that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I've been doing that for about as long. Wow, is that? Oh, I have so many questions. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know you did. I is that? I mean, is that similar to just to scripting like a like a screenplay or? Kind of, um, sort of. I was doing a lot of localization screen like writing, so. They'd basically get, uh, send me, this is, these are the characters, this is the concept, here's the game, and here's, here's the translated version. And so it would be a bunch of English, and uh, oh. here, make it, make it interesting, and make, you know, make the you characters were taking, all... like, Japanese scripts and turning them into English. Sometimes Japanese, yeah. sometimes other places, and, and yeah, I was just making them america friendly like maybe taking out the pedophile references and and stuff like that and and just so just making it good but also like my what i always considered my specialty was characters so character development so you know when you've got these characters talking they're definitely trying to push the plot along what i was trying to do was making them you know make them unique sounding and interesting and you know make it a little more than just like a flat translation because that's really boring uh that's a good. I mean, that's a that's a really good gig from from the standpoint of, um, I, I assume you know part part of the issue with like sitting down and deciding you're you're going to write a novel or sitting down and deciding you're going to make a comic is you have to tackle everything all at the same time. Mm. And if you don't have any kind of formal training, um, it, it's it's that much harder to kind of take on everything at once. But in this case, like. It sounds like you're kind of afforded the opportunity to drill down a little bit and to t- focus on making one or two things better. It's um well, what it's maybe pretty good at is Twitter because <laughs> you you know, for example, it was not the marketable skill <laughs> I was expecting, okay. which I never thought Mark you know Twitter would be very useful, but you know now I guess so. Yeah. But you know I'd have to take this very complex like instructions and also infuse the char- character and plot development and stuff in 140 characters or however much space you have on screen like I couldn't just ramble on like yeah. it has to be very succinct but also deliver a punch and all this stuff so it's very good at that but I also I feel like I use that to comics as well because you don't want giant word bubbles with like a million sure. things in them like you want to just get to the point but not look like you're rushing yeah and yeah I, I think maybe those two th- I mean when I started making writing for video games, I, I started that around the same time I was started making comics. So I, I see them definitely feeding each other. Yeah. I, I you know when I when I go back and and look at stuff that I had written, 
like 10 or even like like five years ago i that that's it, it's always your your tendency to kind of overwrite mm. you know i mean that's the hardest thing particularly when you consider yourself to be a good writer there's a lot of paring down yeah. and i mean recently i thought oh maybe i'll start writing again and you know just prose and i've i can't do it i need i need images yeah. like I, i'll be writing and i'm like well maybe i'll just sketch this i'm like oh, no but but I find that the way that I'm paring down with the writing is the same way I'm paring down with the visuals, too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's all feeding into one big comic thing. Well, say, it's, this, it's the same thing, too, with, with memoir is, is figuring out, um, you know, where to put the camera and where, where the beginning yeah. and the end is, right? I mean, because... The like, end's always the tricky part. Yeah, but, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it's obviously when you, like, live your life, it's one long interrupted... That's why it's so hard sometimes to see where the story is, like with yeah. the Hostess Bar stuff. Like, it took me a long time to figure out why that would be a good book. Hmm. And other than just like a parade of interesting characters, the framing is kind of I the mean, hard part, right? It was, yeah, like I said before, it was this interesting job I had. And yeah. back when I started reading comics, a lot of people would just have a comic about an interesting job I have. Sure. But I was going for like a three hundred page book. Yeah, and. Like I knew, I knew there was a bigger story and I don't know, once I saw, oh yeah, there's all these like familial things that once that all tied in, I'm like, okay, I'm seeing the bigger picture and, hmm. and that really helped. I mean, time, distance is really yeah. such a good thing for writers to have. But, but do you, do you have to, in order to kind of get through something larger, do you, do you have to, I mean, you have to focus on it piece by piece, right? I get, well, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, my first two books, Kiss and Tell and Dragon's Breath, they're essentially a bunch of short stories and then glued yeah. together into one big book. And and the vignettes, people call them. And and I don't know. That's So I so when I went into turning Japanese, I'm like, well, I'm going to write this one long form story. And then my friend who makes comics to Rob Kirby, he, he, right after it came out, he's like, oh, this is great. It's a series of vignettes. I'm like, what? No, it's long form. But then if you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, it is a series of vignettes. Yeah. But that's that's how my brain works. Like, that's how memories work for me. It's sure. like, well, where are all the funny stories I have from this time? You know, I'm not... I, it's not interesting to read about like, Oh, and then I had some coffee and then I sat yeah. down and looked at email. Well, I mean, all, like all, everything is, is it's broken up. Right. Yeah. I mean, nothing, you know, or very few things are like one long continuous shot. Everything is chapters and scenes. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, I do definitely, I, I, I like the whole bite sized things, but yeah, I think just as a reader too, when I'm looking at my own work, it, it makes it more exciting to me to be able to like pick it up, read a little and put it down again. Mm hmm. So, you know, little bites. Because really, all comics are meant to be read on the toilet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or the train, but mostly the okay, toilet. Okay, I'll, give, it, I'll yeah. give you the train. <laughs> but you were, always, you were always working towards something larger. I mean, that, that's... I, I, I bet a lot of people think about this and would, but won't readily admit it, is that they, you know, it... I mean, obviously, feel in a sense, it feels like kind of less of an accomplishment to have written a short story than have written... A novel. I don't know. You Sometimes, don't think so? like, the, it depends on the novel. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but there is like, you know, obviously, like, there is something in like having finished a giant thing and then having, you sure. know, like these beautiful books behind me. <laughs> but you know, having having created like something something s substantial that you can hold in your hand. I mean, it is nice to have like a big, yeah, the, yeah. the physical feeling of holding a book in my hand. But there was one story that I worked on for a million years. Mm. Uh, a friend of well not a friend this person I know died and this was in my book Dragon's Breath uh, he he killed himself and right after it happened and this was 1990 or 1991 so I wasn't making comics yet I, I and I wasn't even writing memoir or anything but I I, I was trying to write about it and every yeah. time I like and I would pick this story up every couple years and I'm like hmm. ah, and it just it wasn't working every time and I put it back down pick it up a couple years later and so for a very very long time I kept picking this up and finally one day I thought maybe I'll make this into a comic and maybe I'll just get rid of all the words for, for the most part and it just went Jing. and I think that's one of the best comics I've ever made and when when I figured out what I was doing and like how I was setting the pacing especially which is such a nerdy thing to say but when I figured out the pacing I feel like that felt better than when I, you know, was able to hold wow. the book for the first time because I it just all came together. I'm getting goosebumps just <laughs> just remembering that moment where I'm like, I'm gonna use rain as a pacer, and it was just so exciting to me. So, 
it just depends. Like, so it took probably 15 years for me to write yeah. this really short comic that takes like a minute to read. What, why did you feel like you need, you needed to tell that story? Why did you keep coming back to it? God, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, obviously it was important. <laughs> it was important in, event in your life. I mean, not really. No. I mean, he wasn't a he, close friend. Yeah. It was, I felt guilty that I thought he was kind of a loser and maybe that was part of it. Like, I didn't, I don't think, you I, mean, I didn't were treat working him. through the guilt or trying to empathize with maybe, him? I, well, I think that was maybe one of the first times in my young life where I felt kind of a self, like wh- where I kind of saw myself as, you know, this for what I was, which is pretty self, you know, just yeah. into my own shit. Um, oh, this annoying guy's hitting on me. Ah, oh, what an asshole or whatever. But like, I, to see someone like that as human, and luckily it happened before he died. Like I, but but then he died like right after and it was like ah, like yeah. just just growing up it was just a moment of growing up and i think those moments are really interesting to read and write about and or just even think about just to sit with like oh what makes what makes us better people so is there is there an element i mean particularly in uh in memoir of kind of working through some of your shit in the process. Sometimes. I try to not do that yeah. very much because I feel like, I mean, I think for a lot of people, yes. Yeah. And for me, sometimes I mean, you're always kind of working through something by retelling it. Right. In some sense, sort of, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a big cathartic therapy session, but you're, you are, you're revisiting. You're definitely reliving it. Yeah. Which, so, uh, for example, the stories in Dragon's Breath, like that story in particular, you know, people, people, a lot of people asked, like, or oh, is this really cathartic to relive yeah. this? And actually, it was really painful sure. and, and not cathartic. In fact, when I'm done, after sitting with this thing for weeks, you know, each story for weeks or however long it took me, like, I'm not, I don't end up feeling better <laughs> or even feel like I know myself better. It's it's more like, okay, I'm going to take this thing that happened that I think is interesting and that I think will make a good comic and I'm going to sit with it. And it's kind of like a byproduct of this, that, that I have to sit through this thing and, and deal with the horribleness of it and, and tear it apart and put it back together as a story. Uh, I don't really feel like I get much out of it, but I, but because what I'm, ultimately at this point trying to do is just make it a good story i feel like if i were trying to be more cathartic about it i just write it in my journal or something like how, but how much how much of your returning to 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 memoir is just that you've kind of found something that you're good at is that or or i mean is it is it is it more is it more fun is it more fulfilling for you to write that way well i just actually i'm writing right now i'm writing fiction okay i haven't announced anything yet but there's lesbian (laughs) kidnapping actually oh there are two there are those two (laughs) things involved yeah good (laughs) see you always come back that's very interesting well the very first comic i ever wrote was about having a crush on someone who didn't like me back so and i'm still writing about that sure so yeah i guess you never (laughs) the first inclination um so i i still find a lot of good things about writing fiction in fact i feel like in some ways it's a lot more truthful than writing memoir because yeah. you're you're able to put all these th- things in it that maybe you wouldn't you're not as guarded yeah because there aren't real people and there are yes, real feelings definitely definitely that yeah so I'm, I, right now i'm having a lot of fun playing around with yeah. you know fictional characters i i just did the quote sign yeah <laughs> are you uh I mean, you know, you've got, it sounds like you've got like a fun few days off in the city after the tour. Oh, well, I, my tour ended a little bit ago, but okay. this is, I'm here for the Smithsonian. They're okay. doing this, uh, this, I'm doing comics workshops for them oh. tomorrow and the next day. Yeah. So that's exciting. But but you're, you're kind of getting, taking a little time off from writing? Just a couple of days. Okay. <laughs> you get right back into it? Yeah. I kind of miss it. Well, uh I mean, so when the election thing, not to bring it all no, back no, to that, but no, I can't help it because it's all I think about. But I was I was so freaking depressed when that happened. And uh, I'm and luckily I planned this trip and I brought my husband with me and I'm like and it's been a long time since we've uh, 
traveled together we used to do it all the time when we started going out so like it's been really great on one hand and I'm also really glad that I'm not sitting at home crying because yeah. like I don't think I could get work done right now I'm, I'm just too depressed but unfortunately I've kind of you know wherever you go there you are I'm, I've, I'm still kind of bombed but sure but it's nice. I'm glad that I'm not just sitting on my couch crying <laughs> yeah it's it's also night nice, like in a weird way I mean like the were you here the day after Wednesday yeah yeah the, that morning I had a bunch of meetings I was like walking to and from different places and it was just like there was a weird I wasn't I wasn't in New York during 9-11 but I but I uh I was, I was talking to somebody about it who was and she said like yeah this is the closest in terms of just sort of like everybody just being completely dejected yeah it wasn't quite a ghost ghost town but everybody like it was just the quietest I've seen the city since I've moved here wow. like aside from like blizzard time <laughs> aside from like I actual totally, force of god people have been doing the 9-11 correlation I, I like I don't think it's the same no of course but not. I yeah. definitely there are some some chilling yeah. like feelings that feel very similar um I specifically the backlash after 9-11 where, where suddenly all of my friends who were brown were getting harassed my roommate and his family like and his mom were just you know people were saying horrible things to them mm. on the street and that's kind of what I'm scared of and now seeing happen on the internet are you gonna be are you gonna, going to be able to channel any of that into your work I don't, you know, hopefully, I mean, yeah. whenever it, it's so funny because every time something like a tragedy happens to somebody else, like, and I think, I think this is a normal writer thing. I hope it is where there's like a little bit of jealousy where you're like, oh, you get to write about that later yeah. or you get to use that yeah. later. And, but when it actually happens to you, you're like, Fuck. I mean, but yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, probably I, I'm one of the things I'm doing, uh, I'm doing a workshop tomorrow, a comics workshop and I'm. Like I had my whole lesson plan or whatever set where I was going to have them draw a comic from your life. But now I think I'm just going to have them draw about something about the election yeah. and just see how that goes. Cause so maybe they can channel something. It's, and it's the, the, the whole event is all about uh, intersectionality and like just a lot of people of color and their stories. So I think that's a good venue to, for people to kind of bond together and to like share stories. So yeah, um, I know I don't know if I'm ready to you know turn it into art, but maybe I could help other people do it. It'll it'll be interesting to see how other people do it too. You know, these are gonna be kids too. Oh, like like sixteen like year old kids, yeah. which I've never worked with kids before, but I remember being one and just how raw that felt and how end of the world everything felt. So yeah. I imagine, especially if they're like people of color, kids, like huh. how scary and helpless they'll feel. It, you know, it's. It, there's probably something to be said for for kind of like going back and and spending time with people who are doing it for the first time and, and haven't built up all of the um not, not just haven't like developed this this the skills but haven't you know the corner cutting that we're talking about mm -hmm. but also the the kind of the, the honing um there's something to be said for like looking at the work of somebody who's just completely raw and it's exciting because that they're the ones who are going to you know make exciting things yeah. like if they're not i mean a lot of people who especially young students that i've been mentoring like they're they're thrown into this uh the school system where they're you know they're told how to do this so they're just kind of churning out very similar stuff in some way or they're encouraged to turn out things like there's definitely a set of rules that some people have about mm. how you should make comics and and there's certainly things that make comics worse or better sometimes, but like I, I'm kind of of the theory like just no, just do, just draw a smear and add a word above yeah. it. You know, like why does it have to be anything? Why do you have to have panels? Like, so I am excited about you know, showing like sharing my work with them and then also telling them you know don't, don't imitate anything. Just just like try something crazy and you know just be wild with it. There's an up, there's an upside to having been self-taught. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> you can kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> That's true, yeah. There you go, that was Mary Naomi. Uh, that was actually the first time that we had ever met in person, I believe, which is really surprising because we've known each other online for a number of years. I'm sure that we've been to a lot of the same shows. We've corresponded. I think we might have done an interview um, at some point. 
uh, a while ago, but uh, that was uh, the first time that we were actually uh, sitting in the same room, speaking in a microphone. So I'm glad we finally had a chance to do that. She was in town for uh, for a few days, and uh, I actually edited quite a bit out of the top of the interview, but I'm sure you've gathered pretty quickly that that was recorded uh, about a day or two after the election happened. So we were still, I was going to say, we were still trying to wrap our, our, our brains around what had happened, but I suppose we're all kind of still wrapping our brains around what happened uh, at, at this point. But um, yeah, a, a, a fun fun little snapshot of, of where everybody was uh, mentally the week of the election uh in spite of all of that though it's still a, a fun conversation nonetheless uh, mary's got a, a lot of books that you should check out the latest is called i thought you hated me you can actually pick that up on uh, on on retrofit uh they sound that you just heard was me uh, flipping around and hitting the microphone in the process a uh, really really wonderful book Highly recommend you check that out and check out all of her stuff. Thank you so much to her for taking the time to do that. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. Uh, if you like the show, there are a couple of ways to support us. Only one of them is, uh, is, is financial. If you do have uh, a little bit of cash to send our way, we would much, uh, much appreciate you uh, supporting us over on Patreon. That will help us uh, pay for the, the hosting cost of the program. Uh, I know that you probably just did all of your big donations at the end of the year and maybe don't have a lot of cash. And if that's the case, consider uh, ratings over on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you've got any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L-related information. That's rylcast at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook. I think that's about all I got this week. Um, lots of good shows lined up. I'm going to be in Vegas next week see yes i don't know why i mentioned that um <laughs> i mentioned it because i'm literally in the process of, of packing as i'm recording this, this program right now um and uh all i can think about is the uh the, the the dread of las vegas but the good news is that right when we get back we'll be posting up the 200th episode of this program which is a really really wonderful conversation with al jaffe so uh stick around because we'll be back then with another episode of r-a-y-l